You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM, and this week's monster has a lot of inappropriate jokes you can make about it, and so I'm not going to make any of them. And if you're thinking about any of those inappropriate jokes, then you're the one with the dirty mind, not me. Okay, this one's on you. You can find the cockatrice on page 42 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. They are these weird chicken bat lizard things that are kind of infamous for their petrification power. Mechanically, uh, this is a CR one half monster, so pretty low CR. It's got you know, low armor class. It's got 20 foot movement speed, 40 foot fly speed. It's got dark vision, doesn't speak any languages, and then it just has a bite attack. The bite attack deals a little bit of piercing damage, like a DC 11 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature be- begins to turn to stone and they're restrained. They fail it again. They're petrified, but only for 24 hours. And that's the cockatrice. This is an interesting monster. This is one of those cases where it is one tiny stat block and one paragraph of lore. So there is really not much to talk about here. But fortunately, the cockatrice does have kind of a long history in D&D. So we're going to talk about that next. Cockatrice appears in the first edition Monster Manual, and you know what? It looks pretty much the same. There is a weird level of detail spent in the text on exactly what color the different parts of the cockatrice are. You know, its wattle is red, and its long tail is yellow, and it, you know, it basically looks like a rooster. And it's baffling to me that anyone thought this was an important information that needed to be printed in a book for Dungeon Masters. It's like, what color are the wings of the cockatrice? Obviously, you know, it's a black and white art, so I'm not saying it's unimportant to give a description of it, but, like, they, they get very granular on exactly what color individual feathers on the cockatrice are, and that seems absurd to me. Uh, there's no discussion at all about why this random chicken has poison that can turn you to stone. That doesn't seem important, but what does seem important is knowing that the cockatrice has kind of like a bluish-green crest. Gotta get that in there. And this is going to become a running theme with the cockatrice, where no one ever really wants to engage with the concept behind the monster. It is one of the weirder monsters that we have, and yet still, it's just kind of assumed that because it's vaguely mythological, that we can't really question why it exists. I wish someone had done for the Chul what they did for the cockatrice, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. In second edition, they, of course, keep all of this, but as always, they talk more about their ecology. You know, in cockatrice society, females are rare and therefore dominant, and the different males have to compete with who gets to join the different females' harems. That's the word they use, harem. Uh-huh. Uh, they also make this weird point that the cockatrice eats, you know, bugs and, and rodents and things. And when it does, it just chooses not to petrify them. So in second edition, it's an implication that the cockatrice, like, can turn on or off whether or not it petrifies you. Kind of like a viper, I guess, whether or not they want to inject poison. But they don't have, like, poison sacs. It's just, like, you're magically turned to stone if the beak touches you. So, you know, there's there's some conflict of concept here happening. Oh, but we got to talk about the pyrolisk. Okay, there is a variant version of the cockatrice in second edition called the pyrolisk, confusingly. This is a cockatrice that has a gaze attack, much like the basilisk, right? And it makes you, and I'm not, I'm not joking here, it makes you die from fire. 
You don't take like a bunch of fire damage. No, it's a save or die effect from just instantly incinerating because this bird looked at you. Dude, that is metal as hell. That is some super second edition nonsense that a bird could look at you and you could burst into like lethal flames. Crazy. Who played that game back then? 3.5 did pretty much exactly the same thing as second edition and fifth edition. There's really not a lot to report about the 3.5 version. In fourth edition, there's a little bit more lore. They kind of codify that the idea behind the cockatrice is that it's not a predator, right? This is like the petrification is a defense mechanism for the creature. Um, so they're always kind of trying to flee. I believe they have like a buffeting wings power, which helps them escape and do kind of like a bite attack on the way out. They also talk about how, you know, they have like this statue garden of all these predators that tried to come get them that's kind of scattered around their nests, which is cool, but not particularly original for a petrifying monster. Yeah, and that's the history of the cockatrice. They have, again, remained pretty much the same, but I would argue they've also remained pretty much kind of like ungrappled with the entire time as to why does this creature exist? What's its function? Where does it exist in these sort of, you know, fantastical ecology? But first things first, we're going to talk about what we like about the 5th edition cockatrice. I guess my favorite thing about the cockatrice is just how weird they are. I mean, obviously, anyone who knows their mythology knows that the basilisk and the cockatrice are actually the same monster, and that the D&D version of the basilisk is basically an invention. Like, they aren't these big, weird iguana things. They historically look a lot more like what we think of the cockatrice. But if you say the word basilisk to me, I'm really not going to imagine a bird. I'm going to imagine a lizard. And I think that's kind of where that split comes from. I'm perfectly happy with them being two separate monsters. I think the more petrification you have, the better. I think petrification is cool. And I like that the cockatrice is this like very horrible, weird death chicken. I think that's that's an interesting monster. I always like monsters that play with danger and silliness at the same time. I also think there's a lot of value to a low-level petrification monster. This is a monster you will encounter relatively low-level, but could still kind of be a threat at higher levels, right? If you throw a bunch of cockatrice into the background of an encounter, listen, getting petrified is not a joke, even for a high-level character. Like, you're going to have to drop a reasonably high spell slot to get rid of that, and in the middle of a tense fight, that's the last thing anybody wants to do, right? So I like that they're low-level, and you can face them, you know, at level 1 or level 2, but you could also throw, like, six cockatrice into the background of an encounter, and there's these little mini that like, listen, they might, will probably miss you, but if they hit you and you tank that saving throw, you're a statue. Right? They, they can pack a much bigger punch than you would assume with their low CR. My last thing is that they only petrify for 24 hours, which I think is actually exactly what you want for a sort of training wheels petrification monster. I have had good success with characters encountering a cockatrice, getting petrified, being scared of it, and then recovering, and then in the future being more worried about monsters that are more powerful at petrification. Like, they understand the stakes of it if they just get a little taste of what a petrification monster like a Medusa or a Beholder can do. The idea of them as kind of baby's first petrification, I think, comes across, and I think is a very valuable thing to have on a monster in 5th edition. Great. Those are the things we like about the Cockatrice. Like I say, it is a very simple monster. There's not a lot to digest here. We're going to move right on to the things we don't like so much about the Cockatrice. I bet you can guess one of them. Well, my first complaint, of course, is that there is nothing going on in this monster. It literally has one bite attack that has a low chance of petrifying you, and that is it. That is the whole monster. 
Again, I understand that it is a CR one-half monster, but I just think 5th edition is phoning in a lot of these monster designs. There is nothing fun about running this monster. The only thing that makes it interesting is the chance to maybe petrify someone. But even then, petrification is not something you throw lightly at a party because it has a bunch of ramifications. Even if for only 24 hours, it can kind of throw the whole rhythm of the game off. So if you're going to make it a petrification monster, I have got to get more out of it than I'm getting right now, and I'm just not seeing that here. Now, my second complaint is kind of an unusual one. I'm not much of like a layout guy, but if you're looking at the page 42 of the 5th edition monster manual, looking at this picture of the cockatrice, I think you'll immediately see the problem. For a brief time, I designed one monster every weekday for a couple of months. And when I was doing that, I was releasing them in these kind of one-page note card size formats. And I discovered this weird problem, that the monsters that had the most mechanics often were forced to have the least amount of lore, and the monsters that had the least mechanics had the most lore. And that's always kind of been backwards to me. It feels like a monster with a lot of mechanics needs to have more lore, and a monster with less mechanics needs less lore. That's clearly the same problem that the Monster Manual is running into here. They want to have, like, discrete one-page entries, which I think is good design, but then you end up in a situation like this with a cockatrice, where the cockatrice itself has a very small stat block, and there isn't really much to say about the cockatrice. And so their solution is to make the art of the cockatrice, which, by the way, I think is awesome. It's probably my favorite cockatrice art that I've ever seen, be enormous. It is two-thirds of this entire page, and that literally leaves us with a single paragraph of very, very wanting lore. There's just nothing else going on here, and so much of this page is dominated by this picture of a cockatrice. There is no reason you couldn't shrink the art down a little bit, put it up in the top left corner, and then have a little bit more room to talk about why cockatrice even exist in the first place, or to make the cockatrice entry a little bit more interesting. It just seems like either the art was the focus, or they realized they had nothing, and so they wanted to just emphasize how weird the monster looks. It definitely looks weird. You should definitely emphasize it, but I think we could have had a little bit more content here. This feels like a last-minute page filler. And then lastly, in contrast to my last positive point, I want to talk about the 24-hour thing, because I actually think it's kind of a really bizarre design choice. I don't really know a lot of tables who are measuring kind of hour-by-hour stuff. I feel like that should be governed by rests, I just don't know who's measuring that at their table. And there's all these logistical problems of like 24 hours means that the characters can't like just take a rest and then it's better, right? It means they have to like sit around and wait for an entire day. And they also probably don't know that it will be a day. So they would maybe get like halfway out of the dungeon or halfway back to town when the character unpetrifies and they realize, hey, we can just turn around and go back. Like it's this weird errand they kind of get caught in the middle of. Sure, maybe you can say roll a nature check. This is how it works. You know, they're going to slowly unpetrify over the course of 24 hours. But that isn't how it works. It's like they're petrified for 24 straight hours and then they're just unpetrified. So I feel like we could mess around with that a little bit to make it a little bit more narratively dynamic. I like that it's not permanent. I think that's good. But I just think saying after 24 hours, you were just instantly unpetrified is a little strange. So let's let's tuck in there. Let's talk about how we would improve this. First of all, I don't want to blow the cockatrice way up with a bunch of crazy powers, but I think something to imply that they are more defensive with their petrification, that they are these kind of like, they're basically just chickens, but they, they have this defense mechanism. You know, give them back buffeting wings. Let them fly around like a chicken. Maybe remove their fly speed entirely. Because right now they fly 40 feet. Like these are fast animals. 
right? Like, why would they have any need to have a defense mechanism at all if they could just fly away, right? Like, why not just disengage and fly? Maybe remove the fly speed and give them, like, a flutter like a chicken has. Like, they can't fly long term, but they can get airborne for a little bit and they can kind of peck and scratch at you. If you want to give them that kind of angry rooster energy, I think that's a little bit closer. So I would do something with that. The actual mechanical expression of it, I'm not sure. Maybe it lets them move without provoking opportunity attacks. Maybe it lets them blind you or something. I'm not really sure how to do it, but I would take away fly and I would give them kind of like a like a buffeting wings or a flutter power. This one is simple. Give me the pyrolisk. It sounds awesome. I want to have a horrible hell chicken that can look at you and make you explode. Like, come on, tell me that's not awesome. I would maybe change his name to the pyrotrice or something like that, because I feel like calling it a pyrolisk is confusing if it's a bird and not a basilisk. And I would much rather have a bird that makes you explode than a lizard that makes you explode, because I feel like what's really the difference between a, a basilisk and a red dragon at that point? And then lastly, I think I would change the way that the 24-hour thing works. I think long rests are the key there, right? Like, maybe it slowly fades. The party takes a long rest, then the character is unpetrified after eight hours, but they're still immobilized for another eight. So they can't go anywhere, but they can at least talk, right? Okay, so now we know this this is how it's going to work, and it's going to slowly, like, peel off of them. If we wait 24 hours, it will go away. But that's got to be three consecutive long rests, right? So first, one long rest, you're unpetrified. Another long rest, you're, maybe you're slowed, right? Because your feet are still stone, but you can move them. And then one more, and you're back to normal. So it's just kind of like slow, like payoff over the course of, of 24 hours, right? That keeps basically the spirit of it, but lets that player, A, be a lot more participatory and gives the party some solutions as to what they can do, right? Like, you know, if the character is immobilized from the waist down, then they can still maybe cast spells, but they seem to be carried around the dungeon, which could be fun, right? Like, I, I think we could play with what petrification means a little bit more than just saying you're petrified and then you're not petrified. Great, and that is our episode on the Cockatrice. This was a tricky one because there's just nothing here to talk about, right? There, there isn't a lot of lore that this monster comes bundled with, and so you have to find a way to make it interesting without necessarily developing a whole complicated story for a monster that essentially does not have one. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with a very interesting monster, one that I have used to great effect in previous campaigns, and that is the Coatl. I feel like Coatls don't get enough uh, appreciation, and I'm excited to give them their kind of day in the sun. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Suck my cockatrice and happy adventuring. You see what I did? I told you not to be dirty at the beginning, then I was like super dirty right there at the end. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.